0: The more people you know, the easier it is to get things done in, in you know the real estate world. So, uh, I would say that the biggest thing would be you know go for the relationships versus a, a business. You don't need the first sale; you need that that relationship first. No matter what the result is, the process never changes. You still got to go through you know your calls. You still got to be making the contacts, pitching the deals, and things like that. And you can't you can't stop just because you're you're getting second place. You are now
1: listening
0: to the Real Estate
1: Everybody Podcast. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Every time you get into the ring, that's who you're going against. I believe that in boxing, and I do
0: believe that in life. Your weekly deep dive into DFW real estate, life, and beyond. With your hosts, Tavis Westbrook and Ashton Hines.
2: Well, good morning and welcome to the Real Estate Heavyweights podcast. And uh, this is our uh, Real Estate Heavyweights University, where we've taken a deep dive into everything from flipping over seven episodes. Tavis really helped us go into depth on how to pick up a house, how to renovate it. I asked a ton of questions. If you don't know me, I'm actually new to the the flipping world. This is uh, flip number four that I'm doing right now. I'm closing in January 3rd and uh, getting done with that one. I'm also a real estate agent, but I work full-time as a physical therapist assistant and i just stay really busy and uh with me is tavis westbrook a good friend a mentor uh but also just a good old dude and uh, he's got a lot of friends in the industry and he's brought uh someone with him today brett lane we're going to interview him from myers home buyers uh but before we get started with that interview how you doing tavis i'm good man i'm excited Yeah, I'm excited too. That was the third take I had to do to get through that freaking interview, that freaking (laughs) intro. So (laughs) I'm going to edit out those first two. My memory is just not good this morning. But we are here. It's uh, December. It's not cold. It still hasn't been cold. I think it got cold for about three days. It's a real bummer, but um, we're about to get into the Christmas season. I know I'm going to be traveling next week. And then, Tavis, you're going to be traveling. So we're going to be piecing all this together. But uh, we're super excited to bring you these interviews. Um, we've had some, some awesome ones, so go back and check those out. But today we have Brett Lane from Myers Home Buyers, uh, a friend of Tavis's. I know Tavis does a lot of business with Myers. And uh, so let's just get right to it. Brett, how are you doing today?
0: Doing well. Uh, thanks for having me. Obviously, listen to quite a few of the podcasts, and you guys always have good content. So I appreciate uh, the offer to, to come on and kind of chat with you guys.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah, I really, really appreciate the time. So, why don't you give everyone a background? Um, obviously, live here in DFW, but you know, how did you, how did you end up at Myers? You know, tell us about your real estate journey. I know uh, before we started, I know you're working on a flip. So, you know, how did you get to where you are now? And then we'll kind of get into the the inner
0: workings at Myers and and what you guys do there. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I've been at Myers since about May of 2018. Basically came from a background of, of all sports uh, did a kinesiology background at Southern Illinois uh right outside of St. Louis for four years playing soccer went over to Sweden played professional for for a year um, and kind of came back and you know ended up getting a job interview down uh, down in Dallas and you know met Josh met the the rest of the team and you know it speaks to the type of people they are because they just have an infectious type of personality where you just want to to work with them whatever they're doing. Uh, you kinda want to get behind. And that was kind of the situation. Ended up moving down here. Um, obviously a scary situation, uh, with it being hundred percent commission. Uh, moving to a city I'd never been. But again, I I believed in what they were what they were offering and kind of jumped on and it kind of took off um pretty quickly after that. Obviously started from the bottom as a as a sales agent. And for people who don't know, buyers Home Buyers is a A wholesale company, um, you know, we, we offer properties to investors, um, and kind of help them source deals. Um, and I started as a sales agent. So kind of getting people's buy box, asking them what they want. Um, and then we had a a line of acquisition agents, um, you know, putting properties in front of us. Again, that was 2018. So it was, it was a little bit larger margins um, that we see right now. So pitching a deal for, you know, 40, 50 grand profit back then was pretty easy. And the fact that, you know, everybody wanted the deal, but I was competing against other people in the, in, inside the company. Um, And that's honestly something that I really wanted. Um, You know, having a sports background, you know, you're going in day in, day out practicing against your own teammates. Um, sometimes you're picked for the starting 11, other times you're not. And I always, whenever I'm doing interviews with new people, um, you know, now that I'm a general manager and, and doing those interviews, I'm kind of telling them exactly that, you know, you're going to be wanting to win against your teammates, but you're also wanting them to succeed as well. Um, and kind of see that growth. Um, and through my time at Myers, started as an SA, uh, sales agent, and then move into acquisition agent role, and then obviously into a general manager role, and kind of seeing every aspect of the company and of the business and and how it works. So I can't, you know, tell Josh enough. Thank you for the opportunity. But uh, I've learned enough to where you know I can do my own flips and have made enough money to to be able to do my own flips. And I think that's that's a huge part of it. It's not only the learnings, uh, but it's you know actually making the money to be able to do it. And that's something that I forever grateful for so
1: brett uh talking on that i think one of the tough things right is building up that about the, the buyer's list right as a seller's agent uh, or a, a sales agent sorry um as an SA is what you guys call it building up that buyer's list you know how do you where'd you start with that what what was what was some of your what worked what didn't work what was you know what i mean and, and and still today, I mean, obviously the market's changed since 2018. And now as a GM, you know, your direct role is to make sure that the people underneath you are, are building up their, you know, their buyer's list, right? Building up their network. So what are some of those things that you did in the beginning that worked and didn't work and how did you keep them engaged and what were some of those challenges?
0: Yeah, so obviously what you see kind of the, the end product, uh, a lot of people when they go to start to, you know publish stuff on social media and things like that they're pretty far along in their career they're not showing you from the very beginnings um, and that's something that uh, kind of gives people a false uh, sense of reality and what it is and you know for the first six months of my career I was I think I sold maybe four deals um, I was competing against ten other guys doing the same exact thing with their their buyers list within buyers. and it was tough and obviously you need to you need to come in prepared to to be able to one not make paychecks and, you know, still do the work, uh, but also to, you know, kind of fight through that and, and still learn things. Uh, and that's something that has really helped me. It was, it was not only going to Facebook and talking to people and building relationships, it was genuinely being honest or uh, curious about what they're doing, how they do it. And that's something that I did a lot of. I would, you know, reach out to people and they'd say, Hey, that deal not interested. I don't think it's a deal. Your ARV's off or whatever. Hey, cool. Can I, you know, are do you have any projects going on? Can I come check it out? And you know, that's something that I probably never thanked you for Tavis, but you were one of the the first ones that kind of said, Hey, come out to this flip, you know, check out what I'm doing. Um, uh, learn it a little bit. And, and you're very, uh, detailed in what you, t- you, you know, tell people. And once I started to get kind of, uh, a glimpse of that I started to ask everybody hey can I come check out your project show me what you're doing you know how much is it costing you give me give me the breakdown of this and that and it helped me kind of catapult into being a better uh, sales agent on that side of Myers but also being able to invest in my, uh, invest myself and again I think that's the biggest thing is is have those relationships it's not always about you know can I sell this house today it's about what can I learn today and you know where's that gonna take me further um, and you know there's plenty of people who, you know, invited me out to those flips and, you know, projects that they're doing and taught me a lot of stuff. And I think that's right when you start, that's the biggest thing. Make those relationships, meet people. You know, the more people you know, the easier it is to get things done in, in, you know, the real estate world. So, uh, I would say that the biggest thing would be, you know, go for the relationship versus a, a business. You don't need the first sale. You need that, that relationship first.
1: So how long did it take you to, to close that first deal when you, when you talked about that?
0: Yeah. So, uh, I remember it pretty, uh, pretty vividly. It took me eight weeks to sell the first deal. And it was a first come, first serve. So those of you who don't know, most of the, the properties that Myers are gonna be showing based uh, silent offers and which I didn't really know how to run my numbers very well at that point. You know, I was relying on, you know, my investor to tell me, hey, I can pay this. And you know, they're not never they gonna hit you with the, the highest offer or the number that, you know, works best for them. And I had to sell one out up in uh, Farmersville and it was a, a lady's first project and she was like, Hey, I really, you know, want to go check it out. I drove up there. I remember I got hit by a, uh, so 635, I was going to 635 to 75 and I can remember it. I was so excited. I was going, I was going, all of a sudden I see this thing floating in the air and it, I was like, what is that? And it's just floating, floating, swipes down, takes out my, my mirror on the side, uh, wrecks the car up a little bit. And again, I hadn't made any money, so it's not like I was going to get that fixed. Uh, and I roll up the house just so excited. Uh, And luckily it turned out, you know, she, she was able to buy it. She liked it. Um, and got my first sale, but it took me a good eight weeks. And from there, I think it took another four to six weeks for me to win my first, uh, like showing bidding process. And prior to to that, in
1: that eight weeks, how many bids did you submit? I guess, or how many, you know, like how many, how many clients do you think you secured at that time in eight weeks? And uh, were you bidding on stuff during that time and just not getting anything? I mean, how many how many deals did it take you to get one? I guess is a good question.
0: Uh, we're, I mean, we were at that point in time in Myers. We were probably doing three showings from Tuesday through Thursday and another two on Friday. So we probably had you know upwards of fifty to sixty plus showings. Okay. Uh, that were selling. like deals didn't terminate back then because sure. uh, the numbers just were so good that somebody was willing to take it down. Again, I, as more people in, came in, it just kind of got tighter and tighter. But anyways, yeah, it probably took me... I probably submitted over 100 bids before winning one. go. It's frustrating. I remember a stint in time where we had 12 showings in three weeks and I got second place on 11 of the 12. Oh. And obviously, you don't get paid unless you get first. So it was extremely frustrating. I remember going to the, the general manager at the time and being like, man, what am I doing wrong? And he's like, you just got to keep going. And then I think the next week I sold six of six showings. So, you know, obviously you got to keep knocking on that door until, until it opens. And, you know, no matter what the result is, the process never changes. You still got to go through, you know, your calls. You still got to be making the contacts, pitching the deals and things like that. you can't, you can't stop just because you're, you're getting second place. So. Right. So on that
1: note, Mm -hmm. so it takes you about eight weeks, you know, you, you come here, you move to Dallas I mean, what did your reserves look like and how many times were you willing to throw in the towel and give up? I mean, how many times did you say to yourself, why don't I just go get a, a salary job or do something else? I mean, obviously you're licensed, you're, you're, you know, you're pursuing this, but I mean, that's, that's real, right? I mean, a hundred, a hundred opportunities to get one and consistency in eight weeks i mean this is this is great information for people out there listening because this is the raw data right this is this is what this business looks like
0: right no yeah and obviously you know there was times where i was questioning whether i wanted to do it um and it kind of took me back to my sports background you know i I played three sports in high school and then getting a scholarship to go play in college uh in soccer soccer was not my best sport i'm I was not the most technical person. Kind of got to to college day one and just felt out of place. Ended up basically saying I couldn't even practice. I was I was so bad at the time. And at that point, I called my parents. I remember having the conversation like, "Hey, I need to transfer back home." Um, and they were like, "No, you're going to stick it out for a year. You know, you're going to give it your best. That's not you." And it, that when I first started at Myers, it was the same thing. I was like, "Man, I don't know if I can do this." But you know, obviously, staying consistent and you know putting in the hard work, no matter what, um, the result is, you're always going to have those, those questions. And if that's you and you don't have those type of funds to, to really get past that, that first, you know, starting period, the rev up period, if you will, it can be tough. Um, you know, I would say you probably need about three months of reserves. Um, at the time I was living on a, uh, an apartment in Irving for like 800 bucks a month. So, uh, I wasn't spending much. I didn't have a car payment. I owned my car outright, you know, um, so there wasn't a lot of bills that I had. So I was luckily, lucky enough to, to not have a huge burden. But I mean, I think my first six months I made, maybe made 20 grand. Um, and obviously that's ten ninety nine. So you got to take out another 30% for taxes. So I was not, you know, doing super well at first. Um, but again, that's just the price you got to pay. I think that's the barrier of entry, um, for somebody who wants to, to kind of make real estate a career and uh, you know, build that wealth, you gotta know that it's it's not gonna come instantly. You know, you might have one deal that does hit instantly, but there's gonna be the next six weeks, the next six months that that you don't. And I think that's something that, that people don't realize either is the highs and the lows are extremely high and extremely low. And if you can't keep a level head through that home, you know, you're gonna have some really, really low moments. So I think that's the, the biggest thing. You gotta you gotta roll with the punches. Yeah. Awesome, for sure.
2: Yeah, I know Alex Hermosi, I don't know if you're familiar with Alex Hermosi, but he's he has a saying, something like, you have to do an amount of activity that it would be unreasonable for anyone to, for you to expect to to fail, that you have to find that level where it would just be unreasonable to expect to fail. And I think, you know, and I fall into this too, I think a lot of people just never, find that level for themselves, you know, and I think we're seeing that with real estate agents who got into the business over the last, you know, two or three years ago when the market was super hot, it was really easy to make money. You you find a listing, you put it out, it's going to sell. My very first flip, I didn't do anything to it and I made really good money because the market just absorbed it. It was great, but it didn't really teach me anything. And now I'm getting into that, the work part of it and trying to figure out what volume... Of You either have to put in the volume of work, of door knocking, calling, or volume, you know, like Mark, you know, he's putting out a lot of money into mailers and that sort of thing. Like there's, there's actual volume of effort that you have to put forward and you have to do it consistently enough to get that feedback. And so, yeah, I think, you know, so many people, they, they hear that, but it's so hard to put into practice. And I think that's where your athletic background comes in. You know, I'm sure you see. There are certain people who have a specific amount of natural talent, but at some point that almost fails them because they rely on that so much. But then at some point you find someone who has a decent amount of natural talent and a huge work ethic and they can far surpass them. So how did that, how did some of those lessons with, you know, putting the work in with, I mean, we've never had, well, uh, the two people that we've had on so far were not professional athletes. And I don't know that we'll have another (laughs) professional athlete on anytime real soon. So I don't want to skip over the fact that you went to Sweden and got paid to play soccer. And I'm sure it's not, you know, I don't know that you had a Neymar contract, but you know, I'm sure there is a certain aspect of being a professional and putting the work in that you know, I, I kind of want to hear a little bit about that because I don't know that I'll get to talk to anyone well, else who's done and that. And
1: I'm time. curious too what your other sports were because you said you got a scholarship for soccer, but you'd never played soccer before. Well, soccer wasn't your best sport. I don't know if you'd never played before, but it wasn't the one yeah, you were so, most confident <laughs> in.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I got a, a few things that uh, I'll kind of touch on there. So uh, in high school, I played uh, basketball, baseball, and soccer. Uh, okay. And then in the summer, I was playing all three. I could never choose. Uh, which one because I was just a competitor. I just wanted to go out there. You know, if somebody said they were playing one of those sports. I was there. I wanted to, to compete. And obviously I enjoyed every single one of them. Uh, I would say naturally uh, I was probably best at basketball, but you know, thank God I'm sitting, I'm only five, eight and you know, I, I couldn't do everything that, that you needed to be able to do to to obviously play at a high level of basketball. Um, so when I got a, a scholarship to play soccer, I, I jumped on it. And I'll be honest, I, w- I was getting the scholarship because of my athleticism, my potential. I had a pretty high ceiling since I'd never consistently played for you know longer than about three months at a time. Um, and with soccer, you kind of lose a lot of that skill. Um, so once I kind of hit, you know, that first year, freshman year of, of college, and they redshirted me, you know, I just got straight in the gym and, you know, was working on, you know, my, my soccer specific skills um, and was able to start the next four years. And, you know, obviously that took me into to Sweden. And, and yeah, I did not have a Neymar contract. You know, I was playing at a pretty low level. I don't want to, you know, misconstrue that. Uh, I wasn't playing super high level, but you know, it was professional soccer and, you know, over there they have promotion and relegation. So you're, you're fighting for something you're fighting to get into the higher league so you can get paid more. Um, and and that was something that was huge, but you know, uh, Ashton, you touched on something where you're saying, you know, the volume of work that you put in, you know, I think a lot of people lose sight of not only the volume of work, but the intention behind that work. Um, and that's something that I learned, you know, through sports It's like, I can't just go out and. Shoot 100 shots or pass, you know, 100 balls. Like I had to make it very intentional with what I was trying to improve on and what my goal was, so that that work that I was putting in was actually going towards something, versus just saying I was doing the activity. Um, and a lot of people do fall into that trap of, well, I made a hundred calls today. I guess the day's done, but were you making those, those calls with the intention behind it? Um, and you know, were you being intentional with your behavior, with your words, um, with your actions to where it actually meant something when you were doing that, that activity. Um, and that's something that, that sports kind of has helped me with in my professional life, being intentional with the action and the activity that you do, you know, a lot of, we only have 24 hours in the day. So, uh, you know, if you're not spending that time, um, with an intention behind it, then you're kind of wasting it. So that's Well, huge. to that
2: end. So, yeah. you know, Myers Home Buyers is a huge company. They have a lot of resources behind them and there's a, a ton of benefits to that. So, a lot of people, when they're starting out, it's it, what's ironic is you have that level of, of company. But then, that's a lot huge. of people, when you're yeah. listening to podcasts and reading books, they'll say, hey, the easiest way to get into real estate is wholesaling because it's a low barrier to entry. Basically, you go kick the bushes find a house that needs to be sold, go find someone who's willing to buy it. You can pad it a little bit and do the deal. So where do you think, uh, what's one of the bigger disconnects? Like when people come into it, what, like, what's the hugest, like hockey stick learning curve that you can kind of help teach a few things for people who are getting into wholesaling to say, look, I know you think it's going to go this way, but here's the things you got to, to really put your mind towards. Is it, is it really finding, you know, scouring, who you know connecting with buyers is it learning how to comp houses is like what are the actual skills that someone needs to get into the wholesaling business and actually succeed
0: yeah i think uh you know one would be comping um but the, the biggest thing for me is, and something that probably hindered my ability to ramp up quickly was the transparency um obviously you know at Myers we tried to be an uh, honest and transparent and accurate with our arvs and things like that um and sometimes I was being very transparent um and what I thought you know was the right thing to do still in my mind is the right thing to do but it did not get me paid right away um but it's something that has gotten me to a point where I have people who will come to me to just ask for my opinion at this point um and I think that's the biggest thing that um I can tell people is don't you're not, you're not trying to sell one deal for you know, 100 grand. That's never going to make make or break. And obviously, 100 grand. Yes, that's a lot of money. But in the long run, if you're making a career out of real estate, you know, if you're getting 10, 15 thousand dollar wholesale fees to somebody who is going to make money and come back and be a resource for you, that weighs a lot heavier than that one rip. Um, and you know, again, it, it, if somebody put 100 grand in front of me right now, and you know, I was super excited. Yes, I would I would love to take it, but um, not at the expense of a relationship, not at the expense of somebody else losing money. Um, And I think that's the uh, biggest—the biggest thing that I take away from wholesale is there's just a lot of people in it for the wrong reasons, Um, and it's you know, I think we need to call wholesale what it is—it's sourcing properties for investors. If we're not going to do the work, the investor still needs to make money who buys it from us, and and that's the biggest thing that I can kind of kind of talk about. So talk about,
2: just expand a little bit on transparency. So, the and when you say that, I I think I understand what you're talking about, but for those out there who may not quite understand how the the transactions work, talk about how y'all do it, how you're transparent, the benefits of it, and then compare it to how some other wholesalers or wholesaling companies might do it to where, so if I'm an investor, hey, what do I need to be looking out for? What questions can I ask to sort of garner
0: that transparency from a company? Yeah, I think th- I would never have somebody buy something sight unseen unless they have somebody who that they can trust that has walked it, or the numbers are just that good. And when I say the numbers are just that good, that means you ra- you did your own due diligence, and you're not going off of what somebody else is what somebody else says. Um, there's a lot of ways that you can misconstrue the numbers, and whether that be through the rehab budget, whether that be through the ARV, um, you know whether that be hiding closing costs, things like that, those are things that you need to be looking out for. And you do need to work with a a company that uh obviously does does this and does it the right way. Um but, you know, I would definitely say you need to run your own numbers to to make sure that you're never making a mistake. And I would always say walk the properties. Um but with transparency in the wholesale industry, it's, you know, trying to be as accurate with that ARB as possible. I try and say, okay, what's the lowest that I see this selling for? Um, you know, and obviously I'm gonna put it out. At, at a certain number, that doesn't mean that, that that's probably going to be most wholesalers and including Myers. Like, we, we can be off as well. Um, you know, we're going to put it out to where the numbers look good. Um, so I think you always need to have two mar- numbers in mind one number of, hey, this is a great uh, one, this is a great uh, ARV. I don't know. The MacBook has like some different things, uh, I mean, <laughs> different that animation.
2: Great, that was a great point. But I mean, you you find out some balloons
0: there that look pretty awesome. <laughs> They go to two numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, one number of like that that number that you think, hey, this this could sell for this, but you also need to have that that backup number of like, hey, worst case scenario it sells for this. Um and I think you need to work off that that worst case number. Um, you know, especially with the market right now, you just never know where it's gonna go. Um and if you're in, you know, a, a price point that isn't the best right now with interest rates. You know, you're you might be shooting for that lower number. Um, so, um, always having you know different numbers and getting different opinions, uh, running your own numbers, um, and always walking the properties. Um, I know me and Tavis said people send in sight and scene offers. Look, those pictures look great, but it doesn't tell the whole story, um, and that's the biggest thing. And and again, especially if you're a first time or you know first five flip five flips, and you don't know what's behind those walls, unless you uh, can really trust that person you're buying from always wants the property.
1: Yeah. Well, and Brett, you, you've done that with me. I mean, I, I've seen some deals go out and, uh, you know, of course i tag you with it, right? I, I get your emails and everything. And so I, I hit you up and, uh, was like, Hey, you know, what's up with this deal? And you're like, have you walked it? <laughs> and I'm like, well, not yet. You're like, go walk it. And I'm like, okay. You know, but I mean, you've done that. And obviously I've done this a few times. Right. So, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> I do know my numbers and I do pad it and I, I you know, I know what the unknowns are going to be. Right. Just because I've been around the block a few times. Um, but uh, no, I mean, that's if it's going to take you a hundred deals to get one closing, right? In the wholesale industry. And you're giving that up on not being transparent or bidding off of the the unknown, you know, the inexperienced buyer that's going to do one deal and they're going to get egg on their face because they're upside down. The deal or deal didn't work out for them the way that it was projected to do. They're not going to come back to you, right? And so now you just put out that effort, a hundred deals to one, to get one buyer that's going to, You know, you got that one closing, like you said, you make 10 grand on it uh, versus, you know, having that buyer come back to you, you know, and if you get enough of those people, I mean, to be honest, that was my original mindset in 2009 when I transitioned into the investment side full time from from the broker side was like, how many investors does it take me to get to do two sides of the transaction? and just repeat deals with these guys, right? Just source source REO property. And that was like my target, right? So I need to find cash investors. I need to source the REO property. I know how to make the numbers work. I know what to do to make it look pretty. Let me just facilitate it. And at first it just started off as just the broker side. It was like, get 3% on the front end, get 3% on the back end. That's a win-win, right? And I'll do this over and over with again, if I have five to 10 investors that I'm doing this, you know, a couple of times a month for. And then it turned in, for me, it turned in more of, you know, the facilitating role, right? And then pl- basically becoming the GC uh, in the deal. And so then it was like, okay, now I'm brokering it. Now I'm GC in it. Now I'm kind of turnkey it, right? And that was kind of how it transitioned for me, but I think it's exactly what you're saying, right? It's, it's like, you've got to look at that relationship and the value of the relationship and really pay attention to that and i I mean i've seen obviously i've i've seen myers grow from the very beginning to what it is today um and i've seen some changeover and i've seen some some guys like you that have been there for a long time that have come up and i've seen other guys that did a really good job at myers and now they've graduated onto their own entity and they're doing great you know in that world so i mean you know it's evolution right it's gonna change it's gonna you know people are gonna get on to you know bigger and better things that make sense for their business. But I think you guys have a great outfit and so if you guys are listening out there and you guys are looking for a trustworthy wholesaler, I mean Myers is definitely one that I would recommend, right? If, and and not only that, um your founder and uh, a great team behind them have developed this phenomenal app called Trello and I'll I'll let you talk on that just a just a tad bit cuz I think that has been a disruptor in this market and uh i think it's awesome i I love the tool but more so than that my engagement with you guys and it's funny because i think somehow you got assigned to me originally i think in 2018 i think you you got assigned to me and i think it started off where you were like oh yeah this is great and i'll let you talk on that a little bit but but for me and, and my engagement with myers has been more of a jv relationship to where i'm actually sourcing well I've got the deal and then I'm pushing it to you guys to to find the buyer, right? And we've worked together really well in that and we've closed hundreds of transactions over the years. And um, a lot of times for me, it, it, it's given me an outlet for when the deal doesn't necessarily fit location for me. Time-wise, maybe my money's tied up. Maybe it's just an outlier or maybe the seller wants more money. And so I go this way as an option right? Because, uh, for it to make sense for me as a flip and what I want in it doesn't make sense. So we can make it work. Somebody else will take a little bit less on the deal than what I want to make. I always use the analogy. Like if it's a deal that I want to make 50 grand on, there's somebody else that might be willing to make it, make it work for 30 grand, you know? But for me, time, effort, and money, it's like, eh, I need to make 50. And, somebody else is completely fine with that 30 right so um, sometimes that's that's the difference and I, and I will say working with Myers has really opened my mind up to that there's all different there's all different investors out there and and what makes sense for somebody else I mean there's all different strategies right and and that really opened my mind because I, I used to kind of just have this very closed in mindset of like no it doesn't work for me and I mean, I don't know how many deals back in the day <laughs> when I had Superior, um, how many deals went wayside. You know, we lost so many deals because like, oh, it doesn't fit the box. Sorry. You know, go ahead and sell it traditionally or whatever. And we just let the deal go wayside. You know, we didn't we didn't find a solution. Right. Um, so that's been a that's been a great thing for me. But anyways, I'll let you I'll, I'll let you answer some of those those points.
0: Yes. Yeah, so yeah, I think uh, there's a hat for every head, um, and if the numbers make sense, there's there's an investor for every deal. So you know, with that being said, as a as an investor and somebody who's like flipping like you and like Josh um, was back in you know 2015, uh, you know, if the deal doesn't make sense or if you don't have the capital at that point because you have so many other projects going on, it it still makes sense for another investor, and it makes sense for you to make money off those those leads because um, obviously you want to make money off of every lead that comes in. Um, if you can, and whether it be five grand, whether it be 15 grand, whether it be, you know, 50 grand on, on a wholesale fee, the deal's got to make sense for, for somebody. Um, and the market's going to tell you where, it, where it's going to land. But, um, that's kind of why, why we invented, uh, Trellis. So Trellis is a, a two sided ma- marketplace, um, where wholesalers or investors or real estate agents can list investment properties. Um, on the app, it's got a similar interface to like a, like a Zillow where you'd see, you know, a property for sale pop up, um, gives you full details on it. Um, it has, you know, it should have a lot of pictures, um, if they're doing the, the posting right, but, um, and that kind of brings me back to, you know, the point that I was talking to, uh, Ashton about, which is run your own numbers. You know, these are all numbers input by, by a person trying to sell the deal. Um, just like uh, an investor would try and list the price or list the property for the most money. Um, you know, the wholesaler's trying to do the same thing. Um, and you know, obviously you gotta run your own numbers. But the the marketplace has kind of changed the game for uh, for a lot of wholesalers. It, it gives somebody uh, you know, for a newer wholesaler, um, you know, it gives them the opportunity to post it and have uh reach, you know, ten thousand investors in the DFW area, fifteen thousand investors. Um, you know, a lot of people will use Myers as a as a supplemental um, you know, disposition service, uh, kind of like Tavis, where you know, we'll help them sell the deal. Um, and 50, 50, you know, the JV, the, the wholesale fee. Um, and, and that's something that obviously, you know, based on, you know, how much effort you want to put in for selling it how much you want to deal with talking to the investors, how much in the showing, you know, that would, you know, that would decipher which direction you go, whether you just list on trailer or if you come directly to a, to a Myers agent, but that, that, that's huge. And obviously I'll, I'll kind of go back to, I actually remember where I was sitting when I made that call to Tavis the first time I was like, this guy's got a couple profiles in, in our CRM. I was like, I might want to call him. He's got some deals associated to him. And I was like, I don't know how, honestly, I don't know how I landed, uh, you know, you in my database, but I remember calling you and I get off the phone and I was writing down notes and I looked at the guy next to me. Uh, I'm still really good friends with him. He lives in Colorado. And I was like, man, I think I just landed my, my biggest buyer. Um, <laughs> uh, and I remember saying, saying your name out loud. And I remember one of the other guys like, no, I work with him. I was like, well, I'm meeting him on I'm meeting him on Tuesday, so I think he's going to work with me now. Um, and it's funny, uh, you know, obviously meeting you and learning so much from you is a blessing in disguise. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize how much I was going to learn from you and how much you know my business was going to grow uh, personally and professionally uh, through you. So again, that, you know, that's you know a hat tip to you um, for all the service you do. I know you teach a lot of you know younger investors and agents how to do this business right, um, and it's something that has you know helped me uh, a ton. So I appreciate that. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for I've that. Been on, yeah. I've
2: been on that end too, Brett. He's, you know, our relationship, I've actually known of Tavis for probably 13 years. Uh, we, I had a friend in college who had done some business with him here and did, I went to school out in California, but he, uh, did some business with him here. And so I'd follow him a long time. And, uh, you know, I reached out to him a couple years ago and, I tried a couple of times and he ignored me. He just ghosted me. He's just too big, you know, just too busy. Uh, No, but uh, the lesson, I will, this is a lesson to this, you know? So the first couple of times it was a real soft, like, hey, you know, I don't even remember what I said, but it was just like, really, I didn't offer anything. It was just, hey, I'd love to learn about real estate. And so then actually the third time I had a flip, I knew I was out of money. I really couldn't buy anything else. And so I reached out and I said, Hey, I don't have any funds to buy anything else, but I would be willing to help you out. However, I can walk properties for you. I can go, you know, do some tasks for you. I didn't even really know what I was asking, but I just said, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'm working a flip right now and I can't, I can't buy another one. So I'll go bird dog or whatever. And he got back to me right away. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there who want to learn the business and you see someone online or you see, you know, someone, a friend that's doing something you know, and I would imagine, like, I don't get hit up a ton, but I'm I'm sure through the years, Tavis has gotten hit up uh, for people wanting help. And, you know, most of the time people who are doing it are willing to help, but you also have to come to the table with something, you know, some sort of either proof that you're really putting your money where your mouth is, or you're putting an effort forward. And like, you know, y'all have a a mutual relationship there and you can help him out doing some things. So, so to me, that's a little, a little nugget there is if you're looking for help it's out there, but don't just always like, Hey, can we go to coffee and you teach me what I've read in 15 books and seen in 94 YouTube videos already. It's like, you know, you gotta, to me, you gotta take a little bit of action to sort of uh, prove that you're in the game a little bit. So, um, so Brett, can you just describe a little bit for people who've never used a wholesaler before? You know, I actually bought a deal from a wholesaling company <laughs> for my third flip. Um, and then I, I actually, I, I guess technically bought one from a wholesaler because I bought my last flip from Tavis that he pretty much wholesaled from me. So I've gone through that process a couple of times. One of the things that was surprising to me about the process early on and you kind of, it, it almost feels <laughs> a little sketchy until you realize that this is just how it goes. The timelines are really fast, you know? And so I think some of those wholesaling companies will say "Look, you, like you side unseen and we need this EMD, uh, this da- deposit, you know, non-refundable and, you know, it's really, really fast. So can you just kind of talk through uh, if someone's investing and looking, they get inundated on Facebook and everything from all these wholesalers, like just what should the process look like and kind of the steps that you can walk through and, and get to your deal with the, your, your first deal
0: with a wholesaler. Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing, uh, you know, there, there is some negative connotation with the word wholesaler uh, just because of, you know, things that I've said, there's people that are dishonest that have done it be- in the past. Um, you want to find somebody that one, you can trust, but also know that, you know, wholesaling is not a, a, a dirty game. You know, obviously we pay, if, at Myers, we pay a lot of money to source these deals and market to, you know, sellers that are in some sort of, you know, distress, the house is distressed. Um, and I think that that money that we pay, we do have to recoup, you know, and for people who, you know, might have a full-time job, you know, that don't have time or money to market to, uh, you know, sellers or, you know, go look at properties on the MLS all the time with agents. because It's very tough to find an investment property on the MLS. Um, from my experience, um, you know, it's okay to, to buy from wholesalers. Uh, but I will say you need to be fully prepared with every aspect of what you're going to do. So, how you're going to fund it, uh, you know, who you're going to use for um, your contracting, you know, who's going to list it on the back end, um, and having those teams in place will will help you so much more than anything else. And you know, having an agent that can help you with comps, um, a lot of agents will do that. They'll run the comps for you prior to you putting an offer in because they want the listing. Uh, you know, when you're done, it's a lot easier to, to sell a fully flipped vacant house. Um, then it is to sell a house from a homeowner that maybe has a few updates. Um, so the agent is willing to do that work. Uh, if you find the right one, I think again, you should probably look for a, an agent that is full time. Um, and maybe in this industry, like a Tavis, who I know Tavis probably doesn't do a bunch of, you know, listings for other clients, but somebody like that who has the experience, who knows, you know, how to sell something like that, um, would be huge. So, you know, obviously you need to have everything in place before you start putting offers in on, on wholesale deals. Cause like you said, they move very quick. Not only do they do they close quick, they also have a process of like winning it. Like when we do our showings, our one our one hour walkthroughs, you have to come in there, put your rehab bids together, and make an offer all within about an hour. Um, And that's sometimes that's not something that a lot of people can do, and that's totally fine. I think you need to be honest with the person you're working with. You know, if you need a little bit more time, whether their process permits it, I know a lot of times if we if we can, we will try and allow somebody a little bit extra time. The last thing we want is somebody putting out an offer, dragging their feet, they didn't have anything ready to go, whether it be deposit, whether it be a hard money lender, um, all those different things that that they need to have ready, and then backing out. Uh, That puts us in a much uh, tougher position than it would be if you would have just said, Hey, I need a little bit more time, or Hey, I can't offer on this. And a lot of guys that that come to me and told me that, I try and find them a vacant property to where, Hey, you can actually go off this prior to the showing. Um, I'll meet you out there. And you walk it, you put your numbers together. Yes, we still have to go through the, the whole bidding process, but at least you have time to run your numbers. Uh, cause again, it's not going to be for everybody. Um, and that, that's totally fine. I think some, some people might be a little too prideful to admit it, but you know, for me, somebody who doesn't have the cruise, uh, and I would need a GC to walk it for me to walk it and go say, you know, Hey, it's going to cost this would be pretty unwise. Um, and I actually did that with my, my flip, uh, in Northridge the Hills that I just bought, you know, I, I bought it. Closed on it, went out there with a contractor and he goes, all right, so how much are you looking to spend? And I said, 45. And he was like, are you sure? Is that just for the interior? Cause you got roof, foundation HVAC and plumbing and that right there is 45. And then he quoted me, you know, eighty five, and And I was like, okay, well, uh, I might be doing this one for free. Um, <laughs> and, and that's something that, you know, obviously um, you know, I've only done, you know, four flips as well. So, it's something that, you know, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow at the end, but it's something, you know, these are learning experiences. And, you know, now I know, especially uh, after doing it recently that, you know, I'll press on people. Hey, do you have everything in place? Are you ready to go if you make this offer?
1: Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things that I've always bragged about you guys on, obviously, I get... a. a a lot of different emails from other wholesalers, um, just being in the industry, I'm sure you guys do too. But one of the things that you guys did, and I don't even know if it originally started this way and, and Josh and the legal team changed the way that you guys do it. But one of the things that I like is that first off, they, the ARV, the comps that support the value. In fact, when we, when we tag time, when we tag time Dean, uh, uh, when we tag time deals sometimes. Tag, team tag deals. Jeez, I can't stop. I can't speak uh, this I'm morning. I'm off
2: on you guys. Let's <laughs> throw off balloons onto the video. And.
1: When we tag team deals, I, your comps are typically a little tighter than mine, right? And and I mean, I've been doing this a long time. And I, I think, you know, Ashton, I've talked about this before. When you sell a property, you got to sell it four ways. You got to sell it to four people. You got to sell it to the buyer you got to sell it to the inspector. Well, first off, you got to sell it to the agent re- representing the buyer. So you got the agent, the buyer, the inspector, and then you have the appraiser, right? Mm-hmm. And so knowing those facts is is the way you got to kind of think a little bigger, but also still be within guidelines, right? When we, when we comp things. So, you know, you and I are usually really close to each other on, on our comps, but sometimes your mm-hmm. comps are a little tighter because you're staying subdivision only. Or, you know, you're not crossing over a road, you know, but I'll cross over a road if it's like build age and style. Right. Um, and, and things like that. But nevertheless, um, one of the things I love about the way you guys set it up is, you know, one, ARV is very achievable. The, the What the value is on the backside is, is great. And it's funny. I've heard from other people before. They're like, Oh, I don't really use that. I'm like, what do you mean? You got to start there and work backwards. Right. That's, it, it was so bizarre when I heard that from this person, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about, man? But anyways, uh, you know, you start with that and work backwards. But one of the things that you guys, uh, don't do, which I, I appreciate is you don't try to put together a rehab number. You know, you don't put that in and a lot of other wholesalers will, they'll say, Oh, it's here's ARV it's 40,000 and work. And this and that, right? You guys leave cosmetic that gap.
2: only fifteen grand. That's like yeah, the f- exactly. They just copy and paste that from about the last fifteen emails. Cosmetic only, like yeah. cosmetic, fifteen grand. And Myers oh, Myers
1: does a really good job of leaving the gap, right? You leave the spread. It's a hundred thousand dollars spread. Might be a hundred fifty thousand dollars spread. You kind of point out the big ticket items. You know, hey, it you know needs a roof. AC's old might need an AC, you know things like that, right? Foundation needs work or needs an expert opinion, you know. Again, you guys are supplying a deal. You guys are taking out all of the upfront legwork that we talked about. The, you know, the the massive amount of phone calls, the massive amount of money that like Mark Fuller's spending every month and mailers, you know, to to get an opportunity, right? I mean, first off, you, you, we talk about that, like the amount of effort you do to just make an appointment. Then you get the appointment. I mean, Ash and I were talking about this off air a little bit. You get the appointment, but then this person may or may not be ready to sell now, right? They may be six months, they may be a year, they may be two years out. But you're so excited when you get that mailer and you get the phone to ring, and then you make the appointment. You're like, "All right, I got a deal." And then they're like, "We're six months out," or they're completely unrealistic on their options, right? And so that that's the nice thing about wholesaling or, or about buying from a wholesaler is you know that that seller. Is in contract with you guys. The deal's ready to go. If your numbers work, it's a deal. Like there's no question about it. Like if if the numbers make sense for you and the location and and you've got everything ready to go and you got your team, it's a deal. You giddy up, boy. You know it's time to go. Yeah. So that I mean that's what's amazing about it, right? And and some people get sideways on the whole, you know, uh, on on the on the yield that you guys make in between what you bought it for and what you're selling it for. And that doesn't matter. At the end of the day, again, it's, it's part of the deal, right? And if the numbers make sense, then pull the trigger, you know, it doesn't matter, man. Everybody's in this business to make something and you guys have already put together the legwork. Nobody sees what you've done to even get that opportunity. So you know it's frustrating to me when i when i hear that pushback you know or when i've wholesale deals and I, I have somebody kind of pushing back on you know what that what that uh, yield might look like to me you know and i'm like it doesn't matter it, it either the deal works for you or not you know and that's it so yeah. No anyways, one um, all,
2: no one walks through the mall complaining about how much Nike is making on each shoe, and you have zero idea <laughs> what goes into the actual development and all that. But you just buy it, you know. Exactly. But for some reason, in the in in real estate, it's like, especially if you're doing an assignment, you can see both sides. If you do a double close, you can't see what the first person's making, and that's one reason to do a double close. But if you're doing an assignment, you can typically see what the first person's going to make, and so uh, yeah, people get all caught up on that. So well, Brett, um, kind of as we're 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 wrapping up. Is there anything else that you wanted to say about what Myers and Trelly offer? Like I wanted you to get an opportunity to talk about that or we kind of covered covered everything? If anybody wanted to work with you guys, like what's the best way to uh, to get in touch with you guys and, and, and kind of start a relationship there?
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously buyers is open to working with all investors, you know, all wholesalers, you know, if there's sellers that are even watching or, you know, w- listening to this, watching this, uh, that want to sell, you know, we, we offer convenience. Um, I always tell the sellers that I meet with, I'm never going to be the highest offer, but I, I'm going to be the most transparent person and I'm going to give you a number that I can stand behind and that, that I'm willing to close on, um, rather than hitting with a high number and coming down. So, um, you know, I'll say this to the rest of the, to the real estate world, you know, uh, it's, it's much more fun to do business with people who are nice versus, you know, people who are being a-holes. So, um, you know, obviously I would, I would hope that more people as, you know, as times get tougher, uh, and as the market tightens, as it, as it already has, um, you know, think about the other person on the end of the, the side, we're all trying to, to do business the right way. Um, uh, so I, I stress that hopefully people can, you know, think, be put yourself in somebody else's shoes, um, and, you know, make sure that they you're doing something and treat people the way you'd want to be treated. Um, and, and that's something that I, I've always kind of stood behind. Um, you know, I never want to get that call about somebody telling me that I, that I ripped them off on, on some things. And, you know, luckily enough, I've never gotten that call. Uh, but, uh, you know, obviously that you can't always control it, but if you are doing business the right way and being transparent, you need to avoid those situations. So uh, if somebody does want to reach out to me and work with me, uh, it's Brett at Myers homebuyerscom uh, And that's B R E T T buyers myers, ers homebuyerscom um, and they can reach out to me via email and I'll send up a call awesome
1: yeah you guys get with Brett I know he's uh he's he started a, uh, a meetup event uh here recently and uh and I think that's going good so if you guys want more information on that please uh, reach out to Brett uh, regarding it yeah. that's that. gonna be
0: on it's gonna be January 11th is the uh, is the next one from five to seven. Cool. So that's good awesome. uh, at Sidecar Social. So nice. And
2: we'll put something out on our stuff, too. So, well, uh, before we sign off, I know you said you just picked up your so you picked up your fourth flip North Richland Hills. Have you started rehab? You know, what's your timeline on that and kind of what's your what's your uh, kind of big goal? Are you are you wanting to get into flipping um, more and more? Or you just kind of like to keep something going, you know, a little bit here and there. Like what is your what's your overall real estate goal there?
0: Yeah. So I think, uh, I definitely want to get some rentals. Um, and I think to be honest, like as a wholesaler, I think you should always be doing a flip every few months, um, just cause, and I learned this a lot. I I took quite a big break, um, cause it's easier to sell the deal to another investor and take on that work, uh, versus do it. Um, and my numbers have been off. I hadn't done a flip since, uh, basically last summer in like June. Um, and the costs have gone up, uh, and they've changed. And if I'm telling people these costs, um, I better be accurate. So this has kind of opened my eyes. Um, On this one in North Richmond Hills, we did start work on Monday. uh, Put in forty-one piers. PVC plumbing snapped. So uh, that's fun. Um, Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a big project. I'm adding a a shower um, where a closet was in the master because it's a three-one and a half. Something I've never done. Um, and something that I I pitch a lot because that that's a good way to add value. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad I'm actually getting to see what goes into that, um, and that's why I think um, you know you should be doing you know work with a wholesaler who does their own flips because they know a lot more and they're they're gonna be able to tell you a lot more. Uh, so uh, practice what you preach, if you will. Um, but yeah, I, I hope I I will say I failed on my goal. I remember I posted this on in January that I was gonna have uh, I think I said two rentals and two flips and Tavis actually said what can I do to help you? I remember that uh, He was the first one to comment and I failed on that so I will call myself out. I like to to point that out uh, and because if you can't can't keep yourself accountable everybody else needs to so uh, I failed there but hopefully next year I can kind of grow that. Uh, I won't make any excuses but the interest rates did not help.
2: Well, you yes. failed forward. I mean, you picked up a flip. You didn't just sit there, you know, <laughs> that's, when you say your goal is high enough and you 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 work towards them, you still do awesome things. I mean, so many people just never get off the couch and never uh, put the book down and, and all that stuff. So, yeah. Um, and, and don't, that's don't be awesome, afraid like, to fail.
1: Right. I mean, and yeah. that's I think that's the lesson to be learned here is, you know. You've got to take action and you can't uh, be afraid to fail. I mean, if you fail, that's all right. What did you learn? You know, and I yeah. think Ashton's talk about that talked about that, uh, you know, with his stuff and his experiences and he keeps going. You know, what what he hasn't really said in this, you know, and, and Brett, you and I have had this conversation and anybody that's listened to our podcast, I've I've defined what a tier two is in the past, but you know, he's taken on the last two projects he's taken on were tier twos. So they were not easy deals that, um, you know, are for the, uh, or for the beginner guy, you know, he's, t- he's taken on these big projects and, uh, uh th- he's learned a lot, you know, yeah. th- there was a lot of things to learn. I think the biggest issues were, were timelines, but, um, but he also learned a lot, a lot, um, regarding the GC and, spending extra money on, on doing things twice, unfortunately. So. uh,
2: Hire decent people on the front end and and you won't have to worry about it, but you know, it takes a while to get your right team and it all just takes time. It's it, you know, reading books and and watching YouTube videos and seeing Instagram and people succeeding, you see, you think it happened overnight or whatever. And 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 people profit by making it sounds just super easy because if they made it sound really really complicated, not many people would buy the book, you know. And so, uh, but until so you get in and you do it, and you guys there, you know, Myers have done thousands of transactions, I'm sure at this point. Uh, between you know josh's brokerage earlier and this like he's y'all seen a lot of real estate come and go so um i love i love hearing y'all's story and knowing the background and kind of the heart behind um the 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 emails that i get and i know you know if anyone that works with tavis and over and over and over i you know of course has a huge credibility with me so well man brett it's been awesome um i really really appreciate the time uh, and I, I, again, I, you might be the, the, the first and last pro athlete. I don't discount Sweden. Okay. Cause, uh, <laughs> there, there's there, just ride that for a while. Just, just refer to, yeah, I was pro soccer player for a while. So, um, that's, man,
1: that's really really you really didn't cool. come back married, man. You know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I went over there with a girlfriend, so that's, that's the hard part. Uh, so I will okay. say that if you ever okay. go to a different country, <laughs>
2: don't take a girlfriend
0: yeah yeah if you're going
2: to be a pro soccer player next time i have an opportunity to be a pro soccer player in another country i'll i'll keep that in mind so Uh, my man brett thank you so much Uh, for you guys that are listening just keep on uh, listening for the holidays we're going to do everything we can to bring you some content during the holidays But like i said i'm out of town tavis is going to be on an awesome trip that i'm sure we'll talk about at some point Uh, but just keep, you know, stay in tune. We're going to try to get this out on YouTube. Uh, We're on Instagram, Facebook. You can find me at the Dallas real estate guy on Instagram. You can find Tavis Facebook, Instagram, Tavis Westbrook, Tavis Westbrook designs. That's Travis without the R. And uh, we're still working on the website. We're getting there. We're trying to fine tune everything for you, but if you enjoyed this episode, please like it, share it with a friend. That's the biggest thing. Just post it somewhere, text it to a buddy, uh, say, man, these guys have uh, got a lot of really great information. And that would really mean the world to us. So, we're just gonna kind of keep bringing it to you, keep trying to grow. Until then, you guys have a great day, and we'll talk to you next time.